Welcome to At The Whiteboard. I'm Nicole North and I'm your host. This season on At The Whiteboard, we're focusing on everything leadership, learning, and development. We have a ton of great guests ready to share their knowledge. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride. Hello and welcome to At The Whiteboard. I'm your host, Nicole North, and I am joined today by Larry Lung. Hello, Larry. How are you today? Good. Thanks, Nicole. Nice to see you and hear from you. It is nice to hear from you, too. Now, Larry and I met on Clubhouse, which, uh, you know, it sounds so funny to even say, but I truly have developed some really wonderful um, relationships with other uh, facilitators, consultants, coaches, uh, just a whole host of people. It's been a fascinating experience. It really has been. And with the Clubhouse experience, one month seems like a year because we, we spend so much time talking about ourselves and the people around us and really sharing our stories and listening to stories and building those relationships. And uh, it's been wonderful spending time with you. It is really great. Larry is always an uh, amazing um, person to come in and, and really set out some, some clear and thoughtful guidance on a topic. So I knew right away uh, when I met Larry that he was someone that I wanted on the podcast because I'm very interested in the work that you do, Larry. I think there's a lot of synergies in the work that we do. And I, I just, I think very highly of you. So I'm so thrilled to have you here. Thanks. All right. So tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do. So my name is Larry Lung from Toronto, Canada, and I run a couple of companies working on customer experience and employee experience strategies with companies. And my background is very unusual. I uh, started off working with a consulting firm on IT audits and compliance work, and then moving to a bank doing something very similar, but more client-facing applications. And I thought to myself, you know, there is just so much going on in my day-to-day -day customer experience journey with so many companies where there are just gaps. Why, why can't I help them be a better company so that they can give me and my friends and my family better services. And so that's how I started. And it's been a wonderful time so far. That's so wonderful, Larry. I certainly resonate with that. Um, I don't do as, as much of it or, or really much at all anymore, but my career kind of started, especially at Whiteboard in process improvement and similar experience. You know, as a customer, you experience something and you say, you know, if you just mapped out this process and looked at what was happening, you could really create a better experience. And, and, and so I, I certainly, I feel you on that part. Um, who are the clients that you work with typically, Larry? I typically work with retail and travel clients. Uh, but, but basically any company that has a B2B or B2C relationship, I can definitely help them really rethink about their relationships, how they engage and how they optimize that relationship so that everybody's happier. Because as we know, happier clients equals, you know, more businesses and, uh, and love to help people with that. That's amazing. That's amazing. So, you know, I know everyone has been talking a little bit about this move to hybrid work, um, 
or you know some companies have gone complete remote i don't know about what you've been hearing but i've been starting to hear the trickles that more and more people are being called back which i'm uh, blown away by i I'm, I'm pretty surprised that it's happening so soon i don't know what your thoughts are on that it's definitely a very interesting topic gallup poll did a survey back in June asking people how they feel about various topics, including hybrid remote work. And 40% of them said, you know, if I am forced to go back to work, then maybe I need to look for another job. Many of them are just really happy working from home. They are seeing sides of their lives that they have not seen before. Even though they're going through Zoom call fatigues, the time that they get to spend not commuting, the time that they they get to spend with their kids and maybe even their own well-being. It's something that they don't want to let go. So it's definitely an idea that people are now questioning. Do I really want to go back to the office or do I really want to pursue another job where I get the flexibility? Yeah, it's very, very interesting. I, I, I certainly, I mean, I've worked from home for many years now i've all you know i guess i also had a couple of stints in an office and back in an office environment um but i do i love that idea of not commuting i find for me i'm much more focused i kind of especially the way my house is set up now and because my kids are home um you know i go down into my basement and i just work straight from <laughs> eight to six and then I emerge back and I'm you know just a human again um, so it's it's been a very interesting experience and I think my husband who'd never worked from home certainly has started to see some of the benefits of just missing that commute of being home right away not getting delayed at the office being able to kind of finish your work within 15 minutes and and even if you have to work late you're still home instantly um, given your work in um, customer experience and employee experience. I'm wondering what your thoughts are. Um, what's one thing that you think organizations need to kind of consider um, with respect to the customer experience or the employee experience as they call people back or let them stay home? Well, it's been very interesting talking to some of the CEOs. They, they asked me, what should we do? There will be people who love the hybrid model. There will be people who love to go to the office. And there will be people who just want to do everything remote because they have proven themselves over the past 18 months or so that they are absolutely capable of performing at a high level in a remote basis. So the first thing that I have been telling the CEOs and leadership is really think about the collective as a, as a unit. Have the company been engaging with employees and team members and management on what they are thinking at all. What, how are, what's making them happy when it comes to work? That's very important because if they know the persona of the various groups, they would be able to craft different solutions for the different groups of people. I can, I've been telling people for a while now that the one size fits all idea does not work. We have seen because of COVID that people work really efficiently in different ways. And now that they discovered th what those different ways are, companies need to really leverage and really enable them to and empower them to continue 
working through those methods. And so, so it's been a lot of soul searching for a lot of companies asking themselves, do I really want everyone back into the office? And when it comes to going back to the office, yeah, company, companies need to really think about how the work environment is going to be like. Are open offices still the way to go when people want separation? Do we really want to design a, a workspace that is flexible and yet enjoyable at the same time and be safe? Many people have to answer those questions and, and I've been helping companies think rethink about how to engage both uh, from a hybrid work environment or remote or full office. And, and at the end of the day, it's really about building comfort for all the different types of personas working and contributing to the company's success. That's uh, that's a great great point, and I, I think I think some of the challenge with organizations is they're just making a jump conclusion, right? They're either saying, "Nope, we're all staying remote forever." Okay, that's it. Um, nope, we're all going hybrid. Um, and that's just because, or we're all coming back just because. And I think probably the biggest challenge for employees is that there's no sound rationale there. Um, and it makes me think, Larry, and want to ask you, how do you link this to the customer experience? And by customer, you know, it's very obvious if you're a grocery store, well, you have to work in person because people need to get their groceries in person, right? Unless you're shifting your whole model to an online service model where people pick up or whatever. Um, but I'm thinking of things uh, like where people might have internal clients, like does X branch have to come back and work inside the office if they're in, you know, their data analysis work can be exclusively done at home. But it makes more sense that the, the customer facing team has to come into the office because they need to service the customer's lives. So how are we linking the customer experience and the employee experience and this hybrid remote scenario? It's not easy. <laughs> That's a great answer, Larry. Because I, I think a lot of companies think everything will go back to normal when COVID is over. But it's not over. It's like the flu. Things will continue to evolve and companies need to evolve with it. I, when I engage with companies, I typically run a, a, a review exercise just to go through the customer experience journey. How has the touch points changed throughout that year? And when it comes to the customers, they are not always just about the endpoint customers, but they could be the suppliers that you're working with. It could be uh, remote um, team members from other countries that you're working with, or maybe local. But how have the touch points changed? Do we need to build something more efficient? Do we need to re completely redesign because of different restrictions and constraints? And maybe there are opportunities to rethink for the better, having inputs from team members. This is the perfect time to really think about those things because a lot of companies been continuing as part of their uh, maybe cost management policy to not change anything. But status quo does not work anymore. 
our mindsets have changed. The, our buying behaviors have changed. And so companies have to really think about, well, do people want to buy online? You use a supermarket um, idea there. And I thought to myself, I've been buying things online for a little bit. Has that customer experience changed at all? And, or, or is it more difficult for me to shop groceries online? And let me tell you, it's still not the best experience, but they're improving slowly. It's true. My idea, Larry, has always been that you actually, one of the challenges with shopping online for groceries in particular, is you don't get that experience of walking through the aisles and being like, oh, right, I'm out of flour, right? And I always thought it would be so cool if a, if a grocery store could make like a virtual store that you actually kind of walk through and click like, oh, the fruit section, let me click there and like, oh, that's the baking section. I didn't have that on my list, but let me click through. I always thought that would be a great idea. So if you uh, ever come across a grocery store company that you work with, that's my, that's my million dollar idea. I definitely would take that into consideration. There are some companies working in that um, redesigning of the online grocery experience. And some even go as far as, say, doing videos of uh, recipes, say, on in the future food network. And then after the show is over, you can buy everything. Um, all the ingredients for that recipe directly with a press of a button. That's the future. Larry, that is genius. And I love that. And I, I really appreciate what you're saying, given a process person and, and, and given that we've had this collective um, break, right? We've had this like lightning bolt go through our entire life experience and now is the perfect time to say, are we doing things the way we should be? And I love this idea of going in and, and remapping your customer experience and saying, does this make sense? And actually being thoughtful about how we call people back or allow them to stay remote or offer them hybrid situations. It's not, it's not just painting on the wall, right? It is really looking at what individuals, units, branches, divisions, teams do and, and making a, a firm assessment of where they need to be and what's actually optimal, right? And there are going to be areas where it is truly going to be optimal to have an in-person experience. And there are truly going to be areas where it truly is optimal to have a remote experience, you know, and it's cost effective and the effects are the same. So I love that idea of intentional uh, strategic planning, right? Using data, collecting information to make these decisions thoughtfully. Absolutely. And I know a lot of companies are scared. There is so much data somewhere in the <laughs> company's servers. And they, they would ask me, well, Larry, you know, we have a lot of data. We have no idea what to do with them. In fact, we have no idea out how to access them. And, and, I, and I would take a step back and say, well, let's not think about the data for one second. Let's just think about what makes you happy as a company providing a product or service to customers or suppliers or your vendors. What makes you happy? What makes it a winning strategy for you? What makes it a winning strategy for your customers, suppliers, or vendors, and employees? And then we'll go from there uh, to build what data you need and look at what 
data streams, you have to give you those insights to make people happier. I, I like to stick with the word happy a lot because, because at the end of the day, we, I say this all the time too, people just want to engage with others that gives them joy. I, I don't want to be on hold uh, with customer service for 45 minutes, an hour, just to ask something about a bill. And so I, I feel like we have an amazing opportunity right now to engage companies to help them just find their ways again. Because they, when they started the company as a small unit, they just want to bring joy. They saw a wonderful opportunity to engage a customer, maybe through baked goods. And, you know, they just want people to smell the amazing croissants in the morning and buy them. So I want to bring that back to the basics. I like that. You know, we might want to call it not employee engagement or employee experience, but employee happiness and not customer experience, but customer happiness. Maybe we should. <laughs> I mean, I, I found that really powerful. As soon as you said that, Larry, I went, oh, my goodness. Employee engagement is abstract. But employee happiness is really clear. Customer satisfaction is, you know, you could define that a lot of ways, but customer happiness is extremely clear. Absolutely. And I love the NPS system, the Net Promoter Score. And essentially, it's a system whereby they want to track people based on a, a scale of one to um, zero to 10, how likely you would promote a product or service after experiencing it. And I, and I always think to myself, well, you know, scores are important, but how can I make that product service so good that someone's willing to talk about it, regardless of scores? Yeah. And I just, and that's basic, a basic fundamental philosophy that I like to keep with when I work with clients and, and with my uh, mentees. Really, really interesting. And, uh, and it's like, instead of how, how well will you promote, how will you promote a product? But just like how happy, again, how happy are you with the product? Right? This is the idea of customer happiness. Very, very interesting. It reminds me of those. And you've probably, uh, you've probably seen these and interacted with them. Um, they don't seem to have them that often anymore. But they'd be like these little electronic stands as you leave a bathroom or a hair salon and it would ask you just to kind of put a happy face on you know smiley face neutral or sad face with how your experience was absolutely and uh some of them work really well and some of them don't work as well i i i i told some of my airport clients that having that stand right beside the washroom may not always be ideal from a hygienic perspective but maybe if the machine has a layer of um, chemical that, that actually cleans the, yeah. the service of the machine and they tell people about it, that would be awesome. Absolutely. Absolutely. So how do you suggest, Larry, that organizations um, find out what their customer happiness and employee happiness is? What, what strategies do you use to collect that data? Um, it's 
it's definitely both real-time feedback and also um, non uh, more touch points after the fact. So we, we talked about NPS earlier, and that's a point in time measure of your experiences after the fact. So, you know, typically people get surveys after they experience that. It could be five minutes, it could be an hour and a half, it could be, you know, a week after they experienced it. The longer um, you get the survey, the less likely you would remember and contribute to a meaningful feedback. So I, I like to really think about using data on how to engage, um, how the customer actually engage with you. Um, it could be as simple as when you order a latte, the um, customer, uh, the barista knows that, hey, you know what, Nicole, um, the last time you came here, you had a latte with mocha. Well, did you know that we have a new type of mocha that we just came in and love to have you try it out? That type of data actually could be very useful because you could be doing testing of new products. Um, the customer knows that you care about them and they want to be engaged. Um, I actually, during the entire COVID process, I've been tracking all the different brands that I have a relationship with. And I asked myself, how many emails do I get from them? What type of emails do I get from them? And have they checked in on me because of COVID? And, it, and the data has been very interesting. And I go back to them and say, well, you know, I have been a long-term customer of yours for a while. And, you know, I, I use this type of product. And it would be very useful um, for you to engage me to tell me if there are any changes to your product line. Just because I may not to travel does not mean that there isn't anything uh, within the hotel system or airline system that may not be interesting for me to know about. We don't always spend time doing research. And so the more companies engage people, especially after they became a loyal customer, the better it would be for those loyal customers to say, huh, yeah, it's great for you, for you to check in on me. It's great to hear from you. And I would have you in mind um, next time I have a purchasing decision. Interesting. So you're suggesting surveys and regular kind of interactions with customers are the best way to start gauging that, that customer happiness. Yep. It's, it's really about building, continuing, um, continuing to build that relationship through different methods. It may not always be um, an email about something new. It could be um, an interactive component. Well, we are doing some testing. What would you like to see? Press A or press B or get them to go to your Instagram or other social media platforms to show them what's new. Because a lot of people don't really know um, what's going on, but they engage you through different platforms. So it would be important to engage them based on the platform of choice. Interesting. And what about from the employee experience? How do you, how do you prefer to measure that data or collect that data? So starting with having the right culture now, culture impact may not always be measurable immediately. And it would be important for for various companies to really think about how do I engage my employees to begin with? How do I get their feedback? Is it quarterly? Is it semi-annually? Or is it just yearly through annual reviews? 
I would imagine the the longer the lag time between um, collecting data and really engaging the employees, the the more likely that you are missing out on pieces of information. Many companies are now starting their own portal with a Slack type messaging system so that people would be able to join different groups and talk about different topics so that they would feel a little more belonged and or maybe suggest um, changes or ideas for companies on what to do and what to manage and give people feedback. I, I also have been working with companies on really thinking about compensation. Typically, compensation is one size fits all. This is what you're going to get. Maybe you will have a health benefit credit. But what if you can't really use the health benefit credit? Can you move that health benefit credit to something else that is equally good for the health? Maybe it's for mental well-being. Maybe it's for um, nutrition. I may not want to go to the gym because I don't feel safe. Does not mean that I don't care about my health. So I've been engaging with companies on really asking, building out systems to really think about how to engage their employees more. Are they comfortable wearing a mask? Should we supply masks for them? Are they comfortable going back to work? Why and why not? I, I think those data points are becoming more and more important. Absolutely. And now one thing when I, you know, in facilitating a lot of clients and, you know, teaching the, the overarching leadership themes of how to engage employees, how to, uh, you know, really involve them in the processes, one of the feedback points I often get from the employee side is, yeah, well, I filled out all the surveys, they created a team, we made the suggestions, but then the organization didn't didn't pick our suggestions. They went back and picked what they wanted to do. Um, how, what's your response to that? Or how have you helped organizations overcome that challenge? It's been, it's been the same concept with customer experience and employee experience with what you just said. I gave feedback, but exactly where does the feedback go? Yeah. Where, where, where does that information get rolled up? And, and do I get a report? Do I, is my voice, how is my voice being heard at all? I, I've been helping companies really think about communication. So I, uh, I have a little sad story to tell, quick <laughs> sad story. So back in the day, customer experience and customer service with respect to feedback, feedback was never really taken very seriously. In fact, feedback forms were not designed to collect feedback for a lot of companies. It was more to oh. set up as a black hole so that will give you the feeling that you can contribute um, by giving feedback, but that feedback was really never received. Wow. For many companies, for many decades. But that has changed because feedback used to be, a, many decades ago, a piece of paper to emails, to now, well, you don't actually have to get feedback from a company. You can provide feedback through the internet on many platforms. And so companies now have to take a lot more of a serious mindset into how am I collecting that information? Is it real-time feedback? Is it, am I only getting feedback um, through the comment section? Or am I getting feedback through videos? 
how am I encouraging people to give me feedback that's relevant and timely? And how do I actually collect that information so that if it's in video form that we can pick up the keywords so that we know what's working and what's not working, how can we make changes? Now, uh, you touched on a point that a lot of companies haven't really thought out yet. How do I tell people that their information, their feedback is actually important. This is how we incorporated it. And so I, I've been asking a lot of companies the same question. Well, what happens? What happens after you get the feedback? If you make a decision, do you tell people why you make certain types of decisions so that they can close the loop on their end that you are telling them, don't tell people that their feedback is important but don't engage them after that because that shows potentially to that person who gave you the feedback that in fact their feedback may not be important. That word may um, would change the way they form that relationship with you. That's incredible. And that's precisely, you know, one of the things that I think is so important that organizations do is if you're collecting this feedback, then let people know what you've done to fix it, how you've addressed it or how you're improving it. And also let them know why you can't do some of the things that they've suggested, right? You know, we can't have a, um, we can't move your employee health benefits account to this kind of work because the insurance company doesn't work that way. Um, however, we've taken your into your consideration and what we have done is offered every single employee a $100 credit towards a gym membership. What, you know what I mean, right? Mm -hmm. Like, this is why we couldn't do your suggestion, but this is how we helped give you what you needed in a different way. It's not, it's not the perceived idea of caring. It's actually showing care. Oh. That is now differentiating companies. We have gone on for many decades, maybe even centuries of thinking that, oh, you know what, they care because they said they care. Because <laughs> when we are waiting, waiting for a call on a service line, they say, your opinion is important to us. Your business is important to us. Please stay on the line and the customer service agent will be there shortly, shortly. But what is shortly? My mind shortly is five minutes. Yeah. Shortly is not half an hour. So if you plant those words and I experience something very different, I may not speak out, but invisibly in my mind, I'm actually forming a mindset of who you are, who I'm contacting and how often I'm going to amplify your brand just because of how, what I experience. And it's not always captured, but maybe that type of data should be captured. How long have people been on hold? Have we been using those words that set us up for failure potentially and you with our customers? You certainly see the, the shift in call centers now where I always really appreciate it when they say, uh, your expected wait time is 10 minutes. You are third in line. And it goes, oh, okay. I understand the expectation is clear. I have a good idea of where it's going to be. Or when they say, you know, the call, I really hate when they say calls are higher than normal. It's like, how can calls be higher than normal on a random Wednesday? That's not true. I get really mad at that. But I do appreciate when they say, 
our call wait time, uh, our call wait time is now like 30 or 40 minutes. Can we call you back so that you're not sitting on hold? So I feel like some organizations are uh, taking steps to address this um, and, and really making people feel important. It's just, it has to be, I think, as you said, Larry, genuine. Absolutely. And for companies that have been experiencing high call volumes for many different reasons, they really should engage uh, on a holistic basis and ask themselves, is that true? How yeah. often is this happening? And what should we do to tell our customers that we are sorry that you experienced a peak time? Here are some of the other ways that you can engage us where the time, the waiting time may be lower. Or maybe we'll get back to you um, in the earliest convenience at your available time. Yeah. Because we, we, we think you are definitely important. We don't need you and want you to wait because let's face it, they don't want to wait either. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I love it. I, that, that's really interesting, uh, interesting work that I think it's just going to become more and more pertinent. I think employees are more discerning about the companies that they will work for and how they engage and keep them happy. And similarly, customers are more discerning about who they use and how they get it. I mean, we think about Amazon. Amazon ships your stuff in like two days. Why would I buy it anywhere else? They can ship it to me faster. And that is my ultimate goal. I want my things, right? I mean, you look at anything. If I go to buy something and it says it's going to take two weeks, I kind of go, well, let me go see what I can find on Amazon instead, right? Or where can I get it faster? So I think employees and customers are becoming more and more discerning uh, and we have the ability to do this. So it behooves uh, customer, it improve, behooves organizations and employers to keep their customer happiness and their employee happiness at, at the highest possible levels. Absolutely. It's really defining what they should be get really all the stakeholders involved in defining those metrics to measure happiness would be really important. Get customers involved. Why are loyal, long-time customers not involved in services and products? They, they know they've been maybe, you know, remember when Coke came out with the new Coke? Yeah. And no one loved it and they have to go back and turn the new Coke into the old Coke, but still say it's the new Coke? Well, I wondered about that. Well, why didn't they engage us, the cook drinkers, more to ask us how we feel about a new changing formula? I wonder. So true. So interesting. Larry, I'd love to know what you think leaders should be focusing on right now. Um, what do you think every leader should be turning their attention to at this moment in time? So... I, I, we've been talking a lot about communication engagement, but I want to take a step back. Leaders, many leaders, we went to school at a certain point in time. We have training and our knowledge base from a different time. And so my question would be, well, has your knowledge base and skill sets evolved? as a leader since when you went to school and started work and went through the chain of commands? Because 
we all act very differently. We engage very differently. We like to be communicated very differently depending on you know, cultural differences, age, and other demographic variables. So I like to empower those leaders to think about all the different team members that they have, not just one set of team members that they think they have. So going back a step and really understanding and build that awareness is actually much more important. And then surrounding um, management with that same qualities to, to really see beyond what they think the traditional way of leadership should be so that they would be able to take everybody's mindset as much as possible in their consideration of leadership. Because I, we, we um, talked about on Clubhouse quite a lot about introvertedness and extrovertedness. But in a corporation, in whether or not it's a bigger businesses, business or smaller business, introvertedness and extrovertedness comes into play quite often. People think, oh, you don't speak up because of any types of reasons. Well, it could just be because they just don't like to speak out often. That doesn't mean that they don't contribute something of a high quality. So I, I, I want, I'm going back with leadership to go back to how aware they are with themselves, how aware they are with their surroundings, and if they're not aware, what can we do to help them so that they would be able to really showcase those types of qualities downward. That's a great, a great point, Larry. I, I appreciate that so much. Now, my last question before we wrap things up is what is your favorite leadership, self-help, business book? What are you reading right now? What do you reread over and over again? Give us your book, Reco. I love Adam Grant's Think Again. And it's a very popular book that everyone talks about. And why I love the book, it's not just because it's so insightful. I like the fact that the book goes back to basics. Why are we thinking in a rigid way? Is it because we're comfortable in the way we think and we don't want to go beyond the comfort? Or maybe there is another reason, but I encourage people to read that book because I want people to think outside of their comfort zone. I want myself to think beyond my own comfort zone. I want to be able to observe what's amazing in the world, in the different practices of leadership or building experiences so that we can build an even better experiences, incorporate the amazingness so that people will be happier. Because I don't always take into consideration everything under the sun the best that I could. So I definitely recommend that book. That's a great recommendation and I haven't read it. So I will certainly add it to my list. Um, and lastly, tell us where we can find you uh, on all the socials, how people can reach out to you and get in touch with you if they are interested in your services. So I'm on Twitter and Instagram uh, with the with the account name underscore Larry Lung, uh, Larry, last name L-E-U-N-G. And you can find my company Transformity um, everywhere. Awesome, that's so wonderful. Larry, it's been really great chatting with you today. I really 
love the idea. I've now got it burned into my brain, this idea of customer happiness and employee happiness. And that's what we should be uh, measuring. So I so appreciate our conversation and, and, and how that kind of uh, solidified in my mind. Um, it's been great chatting with you. And I know all of our listeners will uh, really enjoy this chat as well and will enjoy engaging with you on all the socials. Larry is on Clubhouse, um, on LinkedIn, um, Instagram, uh, and, and shares some, some great content and insight. So definitely give him a follow. Thank you so much, Larry, for taking time with me today. Thank you so much, Nicole. Thanks for joining us at Ot the Whiteboard. We've had an amazing time with you here today. If you want to keep up to date with everything that At the Whiteboard podcast is doing, make sure that you rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. You can also find us on Instagram at Whiteboard Consult or on our website at www.whiteboardconsulting.ca. Talk soon.